friends. This is uh, another episode of my music podcast. Um, this one's pretty cool. It was uh, it, it was a really neat opportunity to uh, to talk with some of the dudes in uh, the band that I'm in. Talked with uh, two of the Carl brothers and uh, and a guy named Ben Miller. So uh, we we make up the band Carthy. Uh, Chase is in the podcast. He's our uh, you know, lead guitar player and lead, one of the lead singers. Uh, Seth, little brother Seth, is on bass. Um, ben Miller is on keys, and I'm on drums. The dudes are, are super insightful. We had they have a lot to talk about, and they were super gracious and uh, allowed me to do it. So, um, without further ado, uh, enjoy Carthy. The idea is that... Nothing embarrassing, okay? Well... The idea is to say things that are mostly embarrassing. Okay. Really? No. <laughs> not that kind I'm of like, what kind of podcast is this? Just scoot over a little bit so more in front of the... Can I get water before we start? Yeah, yeah sorry. What, what about... How about the importance of hydrating as, as a musician? Like... <laughs> Overrated. 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 It depends on what you play. I've never seen any can... professional musician drink water ever in my life. <laughs> Usually it's a you know fifth of vodka. Yeah, just Red Bull <laughs> and, and whatever liquor is laying around on the counter. Theoretically, they've hydrated in the week before the concert <laughs> already. So you just never see it happen. It's in. It's clandestine. Uh, okay, I'm ready. Uh, okay, now you can't touch the table, guys. You gotta. <laughs> Can't what? You don't have a shock mount on this thing, okay? You can't touch the table. I can't touch the table? Yeah, no shock mount. The floor is lava. It was not like oh. an earthquake. Oh. <laughs> you just ruined, you ruined it. Sorry. Uh, I was thinking that uh, it's not every day that you have sort of most of a band in uh, most, of a band. most of a band in the same room to do this sort of thing. <laughs> Time to talk crap about it. The guy is not here. <laughs> We've been most of a band for most of our lives. In, uh, in, in another band member's mother's house. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, this is a this is sort of a podcast room. Even it's, it's just an of, interesting environment. Yeah. Situation. I, I was thinking um, for something like this that we could talk about. Uh, sort of the dynamics of being in a band and what like the indie music scene is like and just sort of share because the idea is that the idea behind this podcast is that anybody listening to it could get something out of it at any given point so say for example uh, someone's trying to someone's trying to start a band someone's looking to join a band someone's looking to hire a keyboardist (laughs) someone's looking to book a band (laughs) I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, all and all of those things are legitimately pertinent, and I think it would be it would be cool to sort of give thoughts about that. Um, you know, not necessarily with any goal to, to educate any specific group of people, but um, how about the average the average musician could get something, the average just music listener could get something, the average promoter, booker, etc. Um, I mean, I. I am. I think it's super cool still to be in a band, and I don't think it's like. I mean, a lot of people do bands in high school, and you know, I never did that actually. Well, and some people, some people don't sort of don't get that experience, and some people approach it more in a professional way as a first time. Right. Have, have we started? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Some people, yeah we, I didn't know this was going. <laughs> we started. No, it's cool. 
Okay. Some people associate being a band with being in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so when you tell them, yeah, I'm an adult and I'm in a band, they, there's a moment of alcohol. I, I a played, moment of silence. I played yeah. stuff in high school with my with my brothers, I guess. I didn't really think about it, but I guess we were kind of like a band. It would always be, oh, let's have... It wasn't always all four of us. Sometimes it was two or groups of three or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and we'd go and provide music for whatever event. Tea parties, actually. Like actually tea parties? Like actual political tea parties? parties or... No, no, not, not, the, not, the, not the political parties. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like a bunch of, uh, of little girls and, and women well, drinking cute, tea. Though. That actually it was so like cute. Yeah, they hired, they hired Thomas and Daniel to, and Austin Marie to sing. That's, so. how no, that's how... I found out that's how Thomas knows all the lyrics to... Maybe. That's, that's right. Maybe that's what our problem is, guys. We should get into that market. Is it tea party market? Tea party market. Yeah, real girl tea party we market. We play yeah. tea parties. Good luck finding another tea party, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna do it. That's true. A bunch of guys over twenty. <laughs> yeah, they're like Thomas and Daniel. No playing the violin, probably. But <laughs> yeah. I think well, maybe at that point, there's a little. You could judge a little bit. Like we exclusively play tea. <laughs> we know four songs, and you're gonna get four. Um, no, when I was when I was in a band in high school, when I was in bands in high school, <laughs> we were like, you know, there's you you play covers. Occasionally, someone gets super upset, you know, that they they got dumped, and they write a song or two, and maybe you play <laughs> one original song or something. Um, and I don't know. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people that sort of have that stigma about bands and. It's like kid stuff. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's kid stuff. It's a hobby. Yeah. My grandma once told me that I need to get all this music stuff out of the way while I'm in high school because when I grow up, I can't have fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my college professors told me that. They're like, hey, here's your degree. Now like, go, get a, go get a job. So, I mean, I, that's one of the things. Like, I have a degree in music and people, like, view what I do as a hobby. I'm like, that's... That's that ship of sail, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, it, it, it just it can't be that way. And I, I think, I don't know, maybe it's changing, and maybe it's just been a while since I've been in a band, like sort of full time. But um, I don't know. Were you guys in any other projects before Carthy? <laughs> yes. That Nothing sounds, I'd like, like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a hobby? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Wait. I don't even know about this. You know about it. <laughs> you? There was a band before Carthy? Was it you guys? I don't know anything no. about this band. But... Oh, yes, I guess you do. <laughs> I don't know. It's, not, it's, not, it's not really... There's still people who wouldn't care about what you had to say. Would they? Well, it doesn't yeah. have to be... <laughs> and that's, this is sort of what I'm talking about. Because if it, I'm assuming... Was it, oh, was it before college? Like during high school? It was, was during it? high school. Yeah. Well... It was like right before college, yeah. Right before college, so that's one of those things that like people can take into account. And I don't, I don't know any specifics. Obviously, you know, I, we met after, after all of that stuff. But that's kind of even, even us. We're sitting here like, there's some things that I don't want to talk about that I was doing in high school, like as far as music goes. Uh, and I think that's sort of part of it. But um, yeah, I, uh, I know like really nothing about any of this sort of stuff popular music in general uh i just sort of you're not listening i just sort of got lazy and after i bought like you know 10 albums for my ipod just 
I've basically just listened to those for the last, you know, 10 years. And wow. I just, every once in a while, I feel the need to listen to new music. But, but now, since I got you a CD, you can listen to new music. That's true. That's, and yeah. Yeah, you got <laughs> Pilots. That's the, that is actually the only new music I listen to enough to like sort yep. of know it, besides the stuff I have to play for Kidville. Uh, and yeah, I guess like anyway, what was I trying to say? I don't. So all this band stuff, I've just been like sort of researching and reading about, and you can't be in just one band, you know. You just you just can't. It's just it's just too fun. And unless you're really super busy, you have you gotta you just gotta start playing with wherever you can, you know. With me, you just gotta play where the love is, you know. <laughs> And uh, and so yeah, I feel like I have uh, no idea what's going on. Like I play with a punk rock band, and I know really nothing about punk rock. Uh, it sounds like how they want it to sound. I just sort of try to make it sound like the way they want it to sound, and then they say good job, and I get to go play at punk rock venues and bars and stuff. But I'm sort of learning it all backwards. I get into the music after I'm already playing it. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, I started playing bass so I could be in my brother's band. Which is beautiful. See, that's that to me is, is fascinating because that's not, to me, neither one of those are really typical stories. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys are both freaks, okay? <laughs> not necessarily in a bad thing. As a, ma- as a matter of fact, if you don't have that stigma of, like, oh, I'm going to be in a band, people are going to say and think this about me. You're just like, oh... I'm a badass keyboard player. I should be in a band. You know, Boom! I, I can. I'm capable of learning an instrument for a, a cause. That's not something. Yeah. That's not how people approach it. And that's why, because that's the exception to the rule. That's why I think it's it's a, an exceptional case. I think what we have is, is pretty cool. Um, so I feel like a lot of people. I know. Well, I know a lot of people that have have been playing an instrument, but then they stopped. And I feel like it's because they didn't have a reason to really continue playing it. Yeah. And it's because yeah, you know, I feel like the purpose of music is to perform it. And mm-hmm. if you're not performing and you're just playing in your room, it there gets is kind of like boring. this like isolationist aspect to music where people like think that you're supposed to learn it and play it all by yourself all the time. Especially like if you start in lessons. Like it's almost impossible to break out of playing alone. Like yeah. even if you do recitals, it's not the same thing. Like you know, recital is fun or cool or whatever, but it's not like actually going out and connecting and sharing something with people. Yeah. Unless you have brothers <laughs> in your homeschooled, and yeah. <laughs> no, was, there was a lot of, yeah, you, you learn the piano, you play it by yourself, and then there's a recital, and everybody plays their piece by themselves. But when it started getting fun is when, like, me and my little brother Thomas started learning the, the drums, and he was really good, and we said, hey, for the next thing we do, next recital, you should play the drums at the same time as I play the piano. And we'll do, we did like oh. ragtime stuff. And then we, uh, yeah, and we just sort of always, which used to be a big form of entertainment. Yeah. A lot, and you know, this, we have this uh, 100-year-old Story Clark organ sitting behind me here that we picked up from somebody who didn't have room for it anymore. This is is huge it has a, a big mirror so if you're sitting at it playing it you can see who's behind you uh has this really nice ornate like hutch thing built over it this was like an entertainment center like somebody <laughs> had a really big big screen tv in their house 
nowadays with like the big case built around it. That's what this thing was, and you would get your music, and people could you know sight read and, and people and they would and play like it and bop you know, it around you. And, every, and if you had people over, and you know you'd have you know, mother will now play something on the organ. Mother play wolves. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> people shout Elton, shout Elton John requests and stuff. Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that was, okay, that was the entertainment center. Yeah. Be in the middle of the living room, and people play together more socially. Like we might say, hey, grab this PS4 controller and join in, <laughs> play a video game. We'd be like, here, grab this cornet. Banjo, I don't know. Can you transpose? Okay. Yeah, spoons. <laughs> You'll pick it up real fast. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> well, I think, I I think that's cool. I think you guys had a have and had an interesting sort of um, interesting way to get into the the band thing, the family, like playing, being able to play music with your family. That's a built-in thing, like. Um, I don't know, sort of the, the stigma I had is my older sister was a little bit too cool for me to play music. She was a singer, you know, she, was, she didn't really play much. And by the time I had started music in school, she was already off, you know, being an older teenager and stuff. So it's cool. I guess that's, that's part of it. Um, cause my bands were always like, you know, the, the, the bands you're in or the group of friends that you're in, sometimes those aren't the best, most solid people. <laughs> It's just, you know, just sort of the, the happenstance. And two, like, it gets really stressful. It, it can be stressful being in a band, especially, you know, if you're not very good yet. Yeah. Um, and then if you're, like, really, you don't want to destroy your entire friend circle. So you're just like, well, it's better to not be in a band and not try and not, you know, crap all over ourselves um, and just hang out <laughs> and play video games. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't know. I think that's one of the things that's inherently different as an adult. Um like when I when I came with you guys came to you guys it was I came as as a professional as an adult ready to play an instrument um, and I think we got lucky in the fact that now we're sitting around yeah. <laughs> we're sitting around a kitchen table talking about music because I can't do that with everybody that I've played music with yeah. I've played with some really talented people and I've made some good music but I think we got lucky in that way um, but you know it's sort of it starts in the in the professional it starts on the professional side of things. Yeah. And I think that's what some people don't realize is that it's not just a social thing. Yeah. And if you see, to me, if I see a band that's interacting socially together, um, like at a show, for example, if they're all still there after their show, <laughs> that's that's really cool. Yeah. That's not something that you see. In high school, you see it more. You know, right. The super young kids that don't know what they're doing, they're going to cling to each other because they got nothing else to do. <laughs> Yeah. You know, as, as well, what's that be like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as, yeah. as an adult, if you're old enough, like say you're old enough to just like buy a drink and stand in the corner after a show, right? Yeah, you yeah. can do that. That's a thing. Like, or you could just go home. <laughs> yeah, you could just get your car and like take your guitar and be like, oh, "Sorry, drummer, see ya," and yeah. then you know be be done with that. Um, but you know, I think I think that's one of the things. Hopefully that people people listening that that would that would care about the what it's like to be in a band now um like know that that's not that stigma is sort of unfounded is that you know it's a social gathering that that meets and then sometimes they play music and i guess some bands are like that i guess the sort of exclusively cover bands they learn their set and play the same same song for 40 years whatever you know yeah. but 
people making new music together, like that's not the social thing comes either at the same time or sometimes afterwards, yeah. after the professional music making thing. I like to think that anyway, you know. Um, I try to be a social guy, but I'm a professional first. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and it's kind of tricky too because in, in the music industry, I feel like the professional and the friendship aspect of it, there's, it's so intertwined and it's really hard to like, you know, I don't know. I mean, for you guys, obviously, like, like I feel like I'm your friend and like, you know, I've wanted to be that way, but, <laughs> but it's like one of those things where, uh, but it's weird though, because I feel like, you know, but I also respect you guys professionally a lot. And so it's kind of one of those things in music. It's like a really weird, unique thing. Mm-hmm. I think like, it's like, you can, you know, um, cause there's been people who I've been friends with, but don't respect them professionally as much. Yeah. And so even if I, so when I play with them, it's kind of like, you know, okay, yeah, okay, well, who can't wait for this is over, so then I can, <laughs> you know, yeah. then we go back to being friends, you know, um, but it's kind of one of those things that's really, at least for me, it's hard to have a long-term, like, um, working relationship with someone in music who I can't also be friends with. Um, yeah. Just because you spend so many hours, you do, like, hours cloistered yeah. in places doing stuff together. Reminds me of theater. It's like yeah. somebody said, I think my brother Thomas, who's in, in theater now, he's on a Broadway tour, we were listening to somebody talk about being hired on Broadway and being in musical theater. <laughs> and they said, you know, uh, <laughs> you really do have to at least sort of try to get along with people. <laughs> Because you're gonna be in this cast, and you know, music, theater, it's it's like it's a it's an emotional thing. It's uh, there's a certain even in the if you're being real professional, it's sort of a intimate setting, and especially around a tour, you're gonna be with the same people for forever. And it at the end of the day, you know, you have to be able to be around these other these other people. And if they feel like you wouldn't be such a cool, not cool, but such a uh, you know pleasant person to be around, yeah, it just might not get hired. More so than if you were just maybe like the accountant coming in at mm. a, you know, a real job. Those <laughs> 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 real workers that do actual work. Um, well, that's and that's cool, and that's something I th- we can we can sort of always come back to. I think because everything relates. What what are the things that I, you know, when I'm when I'm working with um, younger folks, educating them about music. Um, one of the first things I do, especially if it's a if it's a group, say it's a band, yeah. I ask them, it's like, can you define the word band for me? And they're like, huh? oh crap, <laughs> is, that, is that like when people play music? I'm like, okay, no. The word band has very little to do with music. It's sort of, it's sort of got a cool. Yeah. It's like robbers. It's like bandits. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's when you steal stuff. A band of bandits. Yeah. <clears throat> Us same. Well, <laughs> Sorry. And, well, no. So that's one of the. One of one of my kids actually was like, "It's a group of people, a band, a band of people." That's that's what it actually means in that context. It just so happens that uh, the way we use it, where in our locale is a band of people who play music together. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's important. You know, that's it's important not to lose sight of that. Um, and that everything can pretty much go back to that. Um, I think it was it was interesting. Something that that. Ben said, and actually I've heard this from pretty much everybody I've played with, is that it's kind of, um, it's advisable, if possible, to play in more than one group, meaning 
two groups if you can. Yeah. Three groups if, if it's practical, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you don't, you don't you can't really take every like spare yeah. second because then you're just gonna spread yourself too thin and not really worry about it being good. Um, but you know, I think two groups for most people, two groups and like a part time job. Yeah. Not necessarily unreasonable in this day and age. Just right. the way that things work out, or um, you know, some people work full time jobs and are able to play on the weekends or play a few times during the night. I think. Um, uh, during the weeknights rather I think that, that is important because like we were talking about relating to people and you are spending all of those hours together if all you ever do is that and all you ever stress about is one thing yeah um, that can sort of weigh on you yeah another mm-hmm. thing I hope some people can take away from this you know I'm sort of in two or three different projects right now <laughs> plus I'm you know I'm trying to work as a composer and arranger and, and have all of those different connections, different things to, to sort of keep me um, keep me busy and keep my palate cleansed. Because yeah. every day I kind of get to do something a little bit different. Right. Um, and I think that's, imp- for any, anybody listening, I think it's important to, to branch out as much as you can. Um, you know, in certain instruments, like I think if you play piano or keyboard, there's a million things you could do with that. You could be an accompanist, yeah. you could play solo lounge stuff, you could Play in a punk rock band, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. <laughs> um, I don't know, but, but what are y- some of y'all's experiences like doing more than one thing at once? I mean, Ben, you you sort of got the got the most irons in the fire, or at least potential from. from yeah, yeah, it it is. I, I, that resonated with me what you said about <laughs> about the. Uh, it's just sort of a. If you just do. It, one thing and that's all you're thinking about sometimes there's not it, there's only you know so much you can do <laughs> with, a, with one thing it's like you, you know um it just sort of gives you another outlet i guess mm-hmm. if, if and you can yeah there's something kind of nice about a, a variety kind of thing mm-hmm. i guess i actually had a hard, really hard time getting other bands <laughs> together like uh, there's a time where I went to a and I was supposed to start a band with a couple uh, guys from the choir there and it just didn't work out people you know commitment levels sure yeah apart from like playing with my brothers it was really hard to uh, find anything that just kept going for me I don't know are you done yeah I'm done uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> For me, I like uh, <clears throat> like playing drums at Kidsville or when you needed drums for your play. Like that exactly. was really cool. Like, cause like as a pianist slash guitarist, like I don't really think in terms of drums really well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so like that really helps me like get out of the box, so to speak, and that's helped me with like in production as well. Like programming drums is so much easier when you understand yeah. the mechanics. Yeah. You do something different, you're gonna learn yeah, something. Yeah. It yeah. always enhances what you what you're what your main focus is mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then of course you know working at the church and, and directing the choir or whatever that like I've been doing that now for I think almost almost four years and I'm still learning from that like mm-hmm. I just I just haven't I really I you know I haven't stopped learning like every now and then I'm just like oh wow I didn't ever think about that like you mm-hmm. just you just learn something new and that's really quick that's really kind of a cool thing too to think about because um, there's not very many things that I've done that I feel like four years after doing it every week, I can still be learning stuff about it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's not every it's not every facet. Like I'm, we sort of 
I don't know, when I came up through through school and like I would take a math test and like I'm not gonna remember this tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got an A on the test. I will never use this information. Some people use math every day, it's a little different. Yeah. Like I won't remember what how I play a B flat scale on clarinet. Whatever. But um I think what's <clears throat> sort of one of the one of the things that we all kinda touched on was that even and even even failed endeavors meaning something that didn't wasn't what you wanted it to be at the time so like yeah. the choir thing or because um, I, I work with singers trying to get them to do stuff sometimes <laughs> I tried for like six years to get an acapella group at Sam and they were all like nah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know and I know they were busy those, sure, those, yeah. those cats stayed super busy but one of the things I think is cool um, is that I know for me personally, I'm sure you guys probably agree, like being one group, um, and this specifically pertains to playing, being one group sort of, um, you know, not only enhances, but it, I find myself, like with Carthy, I'll play something that I played with in, in the country band when I played with Michael Player, I'll, yeah. I'll bring over some country thing, whether it being like, a fill that's just count four instead of a run down the toms. That's yeah. kind of sort of a country thing. <laughs> or, you know, maybe I'll be with, uh, with, with Michael Player playing some country and I'll, you know, do a, do a fill that I would normally do with Carthy. Yeah. Everyone's like, whoa, we're not used to that. That was cool. <laughs> um, you know, and that's strictly from a playing aspect. Yeah. Um, when you start overlapping styles, that's when you get, to me, that's when you get the, the best original music is when you yeah. sort of infuse other styles yeah. in. <coughs> That's when it gets really fun. There's some, there's a few Carthy tunes that are like um, pretty much straight ahead rock and roll, and yeah. that's that's great. There's some that are like folk. Um, there's some that are super folky that you know, I, <laughs> folk <laughs> and super folky. You, you yeah. could like pull out a banjo and it wouldn't sound bad at all. It <laughs> and like that's that's very much uh, to me. I I hope it comes across as a compliment because. That not everybody can function in all of those veins at the same time, and I think if we hadn't all had legitimate experiences right. in those areas, we might not be able to bring that with any validity. Um, and that's like I said, that's just from a, strictly a playing uh, aspect. There's other there's other parts of the musical world you can be in um, without ever having to touch an instrument. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, doing the podcast and getting all of this stuff on the website, I'm getting to learn um, a little bit of production, sound, you know, how to wrestle with a microphone and which direction to throw speakers to where they won't break anything else um, <laughs> when I throw them at the wall. Um, you know, uh, so different stuff that's different from playing. What do you guys think uh, are some things that you've done that lend itself to music in some way? Things that... Aren't music or they aren't music? Things that aren't necessarily like playing music. So like not playing instruments. Yeah, like not playing instruments. I was surprised in 2016 when I realized that you had to know nothing about music to be a producer. Especially for like electronic music, modern pop type stuff. The realization that, you know, you don't have to be a concert pianist Mm -hmm. to make, you know, a great music. Yeah. (laughs) To make a great record. Just like, and I mean, obviously, I really like it's pretty much restricted to that genre. Like, if you can't, you might, you might be a good producer without being able to play an instrument, but that's going to be your limit there. You're not going to be able to, like, you know, branch into avant garde very well. Well, avant garde, yes, but (laughs) 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 never mind. I I retract my statement. 
But, you know, it's like the realization that there's, especially now with technology where it being it is, you honestly don't actually have to know that much. And I think, honestly, I think it always helps to know. And I'm, actually, I think it helps. I think it's amazing. <laughs> the stuff, if you know what you're doing and you're using technology, yeah. there's a, you can do amazing things nowadays. So, I don't know. That's kind of a rabbit trail. But. Yeah, I, I've written whole songs on my computer mm-hmm. without using any instruments at all, which is kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit ironic, I suppose. Unless, I guess, a computer's an instrument in a way. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, the studio is You know, the, the music that came out of your head, you know, might not have been there except that you were an instrumentalist and played instruments and sort of knew how the whole thing worked. Like, everything you do is going to... You know, if you're doing your B flat scale and your clarinet, and you don't, uh, you're never gonna play a clarinet again or whatever, or, or the math test, right? You're never gonna use logarithms again. But it's it's like going to the gym, and you say, when when am I gonna be at a job? And they're gonna say, lay on your back and grab this bar and lift <laughs> seventy pounds. It's never gonna happen. I'm not gonna be walking down the street and somebody says, can you? Do? But it's like, what do you do? You're just working on a muscle, you know? It's like that that part of your brain, that musical side. It's all it's. It's got to be something there. You want to have a big palette, big toolbox. Something, okay, I'm trying to think of something that's like not music, but that I use. <laughs> Calling a brand a toolbox. It's music. As soon as you yeah. do that, though, you're like, wait, I guess that is music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to think of theater because, I don't know, in our family, most performances were like sort of theatrical. We started doing this kids' theater thing around here. We always did skits and stuff at talent show it was mm-hmm. up for church and uh it always had to be in a time constraint and um i don't know so just sort of stage stuff i feel like it's helped me as a musician like i walk out there and i've been doing stuff on the stage since i was like four mm-hmm. when i was four it was just maybe you know reading something out loud in front of a large group of people sure but uh same thing you just sort of feel like it sort of feels like i've been there before so mm-hmm. that gets a whole thing out of the way about stage fright and all that sort of thing and then you know theater a theater show theatrical presentation because and you know bands uh to get it out to the people you know you gotta take it to the people you gotta take it to the people you gotta be on a stage at some point uh, right i mean usually that's a fun way to do it you could just be putting it all on youtube or making your records or whatever yeah. but the, the whole thing about being on stage that's really that's really some magic stuff there and then the you know, a show, the flow of a show, the, you know, maybe an art. It's not like you're going to have, like, a story arc unless you're doing, like, a concept album or a musical theater show. But, you know, you sort of get those sort of ideas. That is one one of the things that I've learned in my time in, in you know, playing for musical theater and being around. Um, that scene is, I, there's, there's times people in bands, people thinking about live music will thinking about music in general, like, well, you know, live music might be kind of dying out and it's it's all going to be digital and online. And that's that's sort of deflating to some people, like enough to the fact where it's like, well, you know, people are just going to have a DJ. They might not book shows. What's the point of being in a band? And then I, I think theater more so than some, some bands, just because there's an inherent emotional as, aspect where sometimes there's no music, but there's drama happening. There's feelings being evoked. And that, to me... Um, it sort of sort of reinvigorates, reinvigorates whatever the word for that is, um, rekindles the idea that um, you know live music is is something, and um, you know I, I think of my time as a as a teacher and 
um, and all the times that I'm in front of people speaking or mm-hmm. that, that I've ever had to address anybody and think, okay, well, you know, when I'm on stage performing, even if I'm sitting behind a drum set, I'm still like working on that engaging people yeah. and making it real for them to the point where it's that like live music is, is different. It is always going to be different. It's always going to be better than listening to a recording of something. Um, I think that's one of the things that sort of for me and just all in general, um, since I'm sort of in front of people a lot, you know, if, if you work a job, you're around people. I think that's something that everybody can take and, and give, give to the musical side of things. Um, you know, so I, I think that's, <coughs> it's important for people to, that's another, another thing to take away is like the, the live music thing is you just have to see it. You have to, you have to sort of take that risk and, and go for it. Yeah. Well, here, here's something. What about like bands who use backing tracks? <laughs> Are you total sellouts? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of I feel like it kind of dilutes the whole live <laughs> idea. Oh, you think you think it's like is it like cheating in your mind? A little bit. Because like you, you pre so for those uh, listening at home, uh, I believe Seth's talking about maybe you record a great like piano part or a string part or something and, and you record that beforehand and then you just you play it while you play live exactly. but nobody's actually playing the piano it's pre-recorded that's what you mean by backing track but there's like three other people up there still playing right parts. and there's still yeah. plenty of people and maybe you won't even tell it'll just sort of be there for support a backing right. track well I don't know Seth is it cheating is it real <laughs> music <laughs> Well, I mean, because before computers and stuff, they'd have three extra people, and then if they won the piano, they'd get the piano player, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way... Not necessarily. Well, you, you could have a backing track before, you know, home computing, computers, you just need a tape. Sure. Tape. <laughs> yeah, there's backing tracks have been a thing for a while. Yeah. I, I, I think there's two, there's two sides of it. I mean, as a, as a drum set player and percussionist, my part sometimes is the one that's pre-recorded. Um, and there's a certain level of practicality to that, that, um, it's, it's one of those things that I think, uh, a lot of things, especially in the music technology world are bred out of necessity. Like somebody needed it or they probably wouldn't have done it, you know, maybe not, but, um, you know, somebody needed a drum track, but they didn't have enough. They're not making enough at every gig to hire a drummer or they have a drummer and you're good, you know? (laughs) Any, any number of things and so I mean you know when the 80s when the 80s came around and you know sequencers and drum machines um, were, were kind of coming around and they were like oh now I can be a one man show and you know I get my Moog synthesizer going I have I have a drum track going I have a delay pedal well now I'm one person making the music of six people right I think, you know, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have that sort of vein, that wouldn't practically be possible maybe on acoustic instruments or without some sort of recording. Um, now, for for the example of, say that there's, I mean, we'll, we can use Carthy as an example. Um, there's some stuff that would be really nice to have if we, like, sort of a ghost sixth person. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I have not necessarily come to a personal conclusion about that i do think that there are sometimes it would add a lot to have a, a you know a sixth voice and 
have some extra parts going on, or maybe even a sixth and seventh voice. Um, the thing is, I think if for, for it to work, for it to be a legitimate addition to the show, it needs to be something that, um, you know, if it's just a, a, chord, a chord patch with a triad or something, somebody with a MIDI controller could do that with an extra hand. You know, a drum set player could play with one hand, play some ride cymbal, and then pad some chords. If it's like this gnarly arpeggiation that someone couldn't practically do on top of what they're already doing, that might be something where it actually adds to the performance and, you know, it would be worth, um, it would be worth the trouble to program it. Um, you know, it, it's, I, there's, there's good and bad. I think it like, it just depends on what you want to do and how you want to do it. Um, cause the technology is available and you know, it, in the studio, it happens all the time. You know, the studio, you miss a take, oh, let's go punch it back out. Let's, let's, Go back over that spot. Oh, I missed it again. Cool. Well, line it up six times. Oh, well, I got it, but it was a little bit out of sync, so I'm just going to click and drag. Infinite takes. No big. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fine, you know. Especially if you're not paying for studio time, especially, and you have your own software. You're not wasting tape anymore. It's yeah. All, it's all free. Um, but, you know, I, th I, think, I think there are some people that, that do it that probably don't need to do it, like the backing track thing, the pre-recorded stuff, but... Um, I think if, if you do anything tastefully, it's it's something that that could work. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you go to the show, you want to see a human being doing the music. As long as, as long as there's a human doing the the important part. I know we're all important guys. <laughs> <laughs> important part of the music, you know, like it's not like really cheating. It might be cooler if it was people. What if it, it probably was, would what be. What if it was yeah. a humanoid thing? was a humanoid. <laughs> That'd be cool too. That would be Mr. amazing. Mr. Spock and, and the Vulcans are playing something. As long as a human triggers the sound on a sampler, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. As long as they do it with conviction and passion, they smash that play button. You better, yeah, if you're going to push the button, you better believe it. Yeah, I like the shows where they do, the, the one guy does it, but he, he has to build it up live, you know, like, you've seen, so. you've seen Andrew, Andrew Bird, you know, he yeah. starts and he does, like, you know, the violin, Even Ed and he does the bass, and yeah, Ed Sheeran does all Looping stuff. is so much fun. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It takes sure. forever, it takes forever to listen for, like, you know, 20 minutes well, to hear you know. a five-minute song, <laughs> but <laughs> it's know, pretty cool. Though, the Loopers, I think the one that Ed Sheeran uses is actually, it, it quantizes, too. And so even if it's a little bit off, you know, it puts it right back where it's Oh, yeah. They have rhythm. They get rhythm quantization. I mean, they have, you know, pitch correction live. They have pitch correction for live shows. And, mm -hmm. and they, we could act people yeah. use it all the time. It's all, it's all, it's all cheating, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> the minute you're in front of a microphone, I feel like we're getting into, to the question of what, like, what is music and what is art. Unless you're sitting in the woods singing with just your voice. Well, we could, we could quote... Babbitt and Crumb all day. <laughs> <laughs> but who wants to do that? Well, that, that's another that's another thing that I think is an interesting topic, and we can sort of segue into it, um, especially now since we're sitting around just piles and piles of music technology from it, you know, spanning a hundred years. <laughs> um, and I think that's really cool. That's one thing that. It makes it makes sense that we spend time and effort and you know frustration trying to figure out the technology that we have um, available to us. Um, you know, 
20, 30 years ago, the laptop I carry around with me to do everything I pretty much that I do was sort of not a thing that happened. You know, people carried around manuscript books and then made copies and then made photocopies of that and, mm. you know, uh, eventually sent things to like a rudimentary version of, of a computer or, you know, the, the pickups on your guitar, there were two instead of three, you know, or there was only a bass guitar with five strings instead of six or the microphones you get were $600 and 15 feet wide, you know? <laughs> um, I think one of the, those cool, the, that's, that's an interesting discussion. Um, and I'll put it to you guys. Uh, like what is your favorite piece of technology that you think has helped maybe us as a band or you as a musician or the musical world in general? Logic. Logic? I know. It's like, it's like so accessible and like, Everybody has it, but oh my gosh, like, you know, I use it so much because literally it's like I write one verse of a song and before I go any farther, it's in Logic, mm -hmm. like, you know, um, and I, for those listening at home, uh, Logic is a, a digital audio loop system uh, specifically geared for composers and uh, writers of music. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and when you, when you look at it, like when you pull it up, cause like, you know, before I became a modern techie, I was a techie for the stuff that was in, you know, the beer region. Like, and when I realized that when I pulled up Logic that I had more stuff than the Beatles had to record <laughs> every album from start to finish, yeah. sitting in my bedroom, yeah, I was really just, I didn't know what to do but with But then how can you ever finish a track? There's so many more knobs you haven't tried yet. <laughs> there's that. And that's that, the thing. I mean, there's a how can you ever finish? A I mean, yeah. So that's the flip side of the coin is that too many options. There's too many options. Too blank of a canvas. Too it's, many. <laughs> you, so it's almost it almost really comes down to you have to be a really good decision maker if you're going to be a producer right. or a recorder or a writer because you have a zillion decisions and you can't you don't have time to explore every decision that modern technology offers you. And, and you hear about artists, you know, purposely limiting themselves, right? Like I'm going to film a movie, but it's just going to be in this one room or something, you know. Or, you know, self-limitation for art because there is just so much with the you technology they can do. With music, is Jack yeah. Black can do a lot. Yeah, he will like he literally on stage has things organized in a way. Jack Black. That are, Jack Black. Sorry. <laughs> Jack, Jack Black. 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 <laughs> Jack's gonna go with it. <laughs> Jack White. <laughs> yeah. He has his stage set up to be literally inconvenient, so that he has because he knows his set, so he'll like. Make it so he has to be at this mic for a certain time. Right, he has right, to right. Yeah, about this. And then he has really crappy mics, really crappy guitars, because it challenges him and is because I mean obviously he's okay. Like he could buy all the best equipment and you know, <laughs> sit in the middle of the stage and never move and have you know five backup bands do all the things. But that's, that's part of the. But that's kind of music, yeah. Is it's part of the music the, or is it part of the artistic experience well, of a Jack White show, show? You know, is this the show? Because like, there's playing an instrument and there's playing an instrument with showmanship. Just yeah. like literally a world apart. Like mm -hmm. it's two totally different things. No, definitely, definitely. Uh, I saw a show and there was a, they had this, this band up on the stage and, uh, this, <laughs> my uncle was there and he was like, okay, so. They seem like they're awful, and I said, "No, they're not. They're all really, really good." <laughs> and I said, "They're just." I said, "That's like a pit band. Like they're used to, they're, you know, they're used to being down there in front of the stage mm -hmm. playing orchestra. Where this like it was like a Beatles tribute show. They had them all go up on top of the stage, and they were all like a little bit out of their element." I, yeah. I, I just, I said, you know, they're they're great musicians, but you know, they're not like 
performers yeah. type thing. They're used to being, they had like the sheet music and they were just, they were like reading the charts. Like yeah. they're just, they're pros. Uh, but yeah, the performance thing, you know, it's really for all the high and lofty discussion of what is art and what is music. It's like, there's like a hundred or, you know, maybe 200 people out there and they, they want to be happier than when they came in. Yeah. That's what whatever it takes. To, We're using a backing track. If you're <laughs> running around, if it's you're really, auto-tuned yeah. mics. <laughs> using auto-tune, if you're, you know, if it's it's easy to get really like that's kind of your job. Now there's a, there's a thing where it's like, what do people want? What is good for people though in the long run? What do you, what should you really be giving people? You know, <laughs> people never want what's good for them. <laughs> <laughs> people don't want what's good. You find the happy medium. And they're like, hey, that was really fun, and then they're like, yeah. gee, but that was really, you know, that 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 touched me at some level. There is yeah, it's like <laughs> it's essentially you're always just looking for that next tool that allows you to connect with like people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really easy to get caught up in the discussion about music, music, and what is right and what is wrong, and my, my musical ethical dilemmas. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, is this going to give people a, a better or a unique experience? Mm-hmm. You know? And if it does, then just do it. Yeah. I think, I think so. And I think if that's, what if that's what your goal is, then use, it's kind of like, use what you have. Yeah. I think it's important, though, with all of these sort of, technological advancements and you know your stuff like logic and a, a, a microphone you can put in your bag or um, ways to distribute things instantly to millions yeah. of people all Ugh. across the world I think it's important that um, it, that you have an idea of what your goal is beforehand right whether that's like I'm a I'm gonna entertain people with music or I'm gonna make this statement with this painting that I'm doing yeah. or I'm going to distribute this thing and charge this much to this many people and make yeah. this much money. Yeah. I think it's important to know what you want to do. Um, and know what the other people in your band want to do. <laughs> yeah, and you know, from a, from a band setting, I think it's important, and one of the things I try to talk to you know, young folks trying to start a band, what I would tell those people is get together and as much as you play, spend a lot of time playing and honing your craft and spend as much time talking and getting to know each other getting to know right. why you're doing it what you're doing why you're doing it how you want to do it yeah because um, that vibe is really important on stage and just be on time yeah. that's what I would tell you <laughs> just be, be show on up on time actually I, that, that puts you ahead of like 90% of musicians if you show up you're ahead of 90% yeah. of musicians yeah, right. <laughs> showing up yeah who, who said half of anything is showing up like some I think probably my mom. Yeah, fifty <laughs> percent. Like you're already, you're already halfway there. Yeah. You just show up on time. Yeah. Yeah. Respect. The most important piece of technology is your watch. <laughs> the alarm on your watch. Or phone. Yeah. yeah phone. My phone is also my tuner. Very nice. And what else? Metronome. Yeah, that's true. And you can post on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> All my practice sessions. <laughs> <laughs> just punching the bass. Just <laughs> <laughs> Nobody listens to me. They mix me out. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, hey, anybody can distribute the music to anyone on Earth, but then it means everyone can distribute the music to everyone on Earth. So it's yeah. like, oh, so you're not like special snowflake anymore. There is Every... no gatekeeper. There's no gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> Which is both good and terrifying yeah which well, is if you're really good nobody ever found you which is interesting because like I learned how to play bass through YouTube mm-hmm. 
Well, that's, that's to me, and that's one of the things I was going to suggest is an important piece of technology that's sort of encompassing and, and more, more broad. Um, the, the effect that social media has had on what a band is, how to be a band, how to be successful as a band, uh, that has, I mean, I think that's changed the game. There's, I can't remember the, the band, maybe it was like the Black Keys or something. Um, those cats like became famous overnight or something because of MySpace. Like, which is a bit of an anachronism for when it happened, sure. but yeah. um, that sort of thing, not necessarily super unheard of. You get you get a few hundred people to like it and share it with three people each. Well, then you're up to, you know, 3,000, and then those three people share it the next day. And like, oh, well, now you have a million followers. And like, I don't even think they knew about it. it was like, yeah, we were just playing shows, and all of a sudden, like, everyone knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it I think, happens. I think that's really cool, and I think that you know some people some people like work really hard at the social media stuff, um, but like not necessarily saying that that's a bad thing. Some people yeah. do take it to the point where like they're working so hard on their social media presence and don't actually have anything to present. Yeah, there's no music, there's no talent, there's no shows. It's just yeah. your social media presence, which is really a scary thing to see. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it is, and like. That's one of the things why I think it's important to. You can use technology to your benefit a lot. It's it's pretty easy, right. but you still have to have that. You still have to be a band, or yeah. if you're going to do your own thing. A lot of people are successful with solo projects. Um, you know, get really really good at your instrument, and then yeah. get really good at social media. They're separate, but yeah, yeah. Or you know what I tell my students to do too is like, you know, share your journey. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you're learning. Like, and that's cool. And you can, you know, you can leverage that too. Like, you know, it's one of those things, like what I started doing recently is, you know, I, I post a video on just uh, one of my, on my, on a different Instagram account mm-hmm. just for myself where it's just like, I just play a minute of whatever I want and then I just post it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not one of those things where for me, it's just like a developmental thing, but it's like, but you're sharing that. And that's like a cool thing for people to see because people learn from what you're learning. Too. So yeah, it's kind of a cool thing, but yeah, that's definitely like with social media being what it is today. Like, pretty much anyone I know who's like a student of, I'm just like, whatever you're doing, just start sharing it. Yeah, like you know, it's so important now. <laughs> well, that kind of goes back to the whole music being communal. And yeah, I mean, because it used to be if you were, you know, let's like, I don't know, 60s or something, if you wanted to share and create a community with music, you had to be in like the bars and the taverns and, mm-hmm. you know, you had, that's where the kids were for whatever reason. I guess they didn't have anything. But now, you know, those, those people are on the internet nowadays. That's, that's where you're going to create community mm-hmm. more often than not, um, you know. Yeah, but you still can't jam with someone on the internet. Well, lag. Um, Oh. <laughs> not across the internet. No. You meet somebody and then jam somewhere else. You jam together in the same room. We're yeah. Not talking about, we're not talking about like, jelly, right? Like, I can't, can't play with you. There's lag here. It's not working. No, there, there's... I've tried. I've tried. Oh, no. Really? Really? Yeah, that won't work. I've tried, yeah. And chat, I was like, maybe I'll just always be a little bit behind and I can time it and it's... <laughs> Or a little bit ahead. I try to play ahead, and it always sounds bad for one of the people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the. What I've seen is, I mean, there's a. They made it a cute little app called. Um, I think they just call it acapella. I've seen that. It's a little little four panel, 
multi-tracking app. And so mm. you can like record one or two panels and then send it to someone else and they you record your own. Oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah, I saw a karaoke app like that. Time. Yeah, that's cool. It was not really great, but it was kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept. It's a great way to share. Mm-hmm. And that particular thing is really cool to share with people. Like you don't even know. You just put it up. It's like here's the thing I sing, and it was. I think one of a barbershopper that I was singing with showed it to me and like people sing tags by themselves or they'll sing two parts and then send it off and uh, it was it was just the coolest thing um, and I, I, I think that's I think that's one way that like the the whole social media thing sort of helps um, helps create that and helps one of those things that sort of relieves the stigma of being a musician and maybe for some of the people that would go out and just play bad shows forever, maybe they're getting their thing out. They're, yeah. they're getting their catharsis on the internet and able to share it. Um, and so that the, since those people are not at your given like open mic or they're not getting booked somewhere and putting on a bad show and running people off, the people that are like, yeah, we're ready to do this live. We want to take it to the next level. They're the ones getting sort of the spotlight. And I, I, I mean, I, I'm curious to see... Um, you know, I'm curious to, to talk with people in other regions to see if that's sort of the case. I haven't noticed anybody that we've played, um, you know, before or after in our shows that's just been really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, and I've seen really bad groups on the internet yeah. that seem like, oh, you know, those, those would have fit at that show. Hope, I'm glad they didn't come because, you know, <laughs> they weren't ready yeah. or whatever. Um, but every, now everyone we've, we've played with has seemed like, Cool. I bet they have some stuff on the internet, but they've been practicing and are ready to play for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really vital step. <laughs> yeah. We've played shows where the people weren't ready. We've played shows where we weren't ready. I mean, I think I think if you wait until you feel ready, you will never play a live show. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if I'm like. At least that was my experience. I mean, maybe don't go like audition for you know the X Factor or whatever. I know, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, play for your just play in your driveway and invite. It's, there's some there's something to having somebody watching you do something. You know, if you have to make a speech and you practice it a million times in your room, mm-hmm. that like three times practicing it in front of like your mom is gonna be more valuable yeah. than like a million times practicing it in your room. It just is. Because um, you'll do anything by yourself. <laughs> You're actually, amazing. It's like oh yeah, the words just flow. I did a play in someone's driveway one time. Yeah, how's that? That's not. I've seen I the DVD of that. I've seen the DVD of that play. <laughs> <laughs> but you know all of that you know as crazy as it was it links it, to that play will be in the description it, yeah <laughs> it uh and it, maybe you'd be embarrassed to watch that now as you're young and a kid but you know it was preparing you for being a performer and being on a stage Thanks, like, a little bit you got a little <laughs> bit more comfortable there's always something there's always a little baby step somewhere and even yeah. even like listening to a bad band you know you'd be like why are they bad it's, How can I be good? <laughs> it's true that you say that because I would say that that was sort of the beginning of our family's relationship with each other. Oh, yeah? That's how you met. So, That's yeah, like, Seth was friends with my little brother uh, long before me and Chase were friends. So that's sort of how that happened. Sort of how it all started. Kind of brought us all together. Me and Ben just had a lot of bad beats. Now Ben's in... <laughs> <laughs> we were just... Off of, you know, now Ben's in our band, school. and we all love each other. <laughs> it's okay. great. We love hugs. <laughs> that is true. If you ever need a hug. Uh, so that's kind of a hug. If we're out of free stickers. 
We have free hugs. <laughs> um, that another thing I think is is cool, and I think it's always fun to get uh, people's perspective on is um, I don't know if I don't think stage fright is really an applicable term anymore. I think that fear is is sort of more complicated than that. I think that <laughs> yeah. I think being aware of your own stage presence is more apt of a description than stage fright but um i'm i'm curious as to what you guys think like do you feel like you still get stage fright if not why not what prepared you for that or if so um you know what are what are the things that go through your heads can i go go first (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i i I still get it a little bit Mm -hmm. but for me it's more of i feel like music's a very very um vulnerable thing yeah and it's hard to just sort of throw it out there for people just randomly in the audience that you don't know that could take it anyway sure like um i don't know the first person i played stuff for was my mom Mm -hmm. which uh, obviously she's gonna love everything so that's not very scary which (laughs) is why your mom is an ideal first audience (laughs) sure but um first shows it's it's tricky especially with original music because typically lyrics and stuff come from a pretty emotional place yeah and uh, that can be scary well and I um, a lot of times I I try to put emotion into my you know drum writing and, or my mm-hmm. my backup harmonies like come from a place in the heart necessarily not necessarily the, the chord progression that's happening sometimes it is that and sometimes that's what the, the, the track needs but um, you know, I, I, I agree with that. It's very, very, very vulnerable. Um, and that's, it's good to know that about yourself. Like, oh, I, this is a, a spot in my day where I'm going to feel vulnerable. And, um, you know, I, th- I think everybody has that, whether they say they do or not, you know, if they, if they say, if anybody on the planet says, well, I'm never, ever nervous, ever, <laughs> that's just what they tell themselves and what they tell each other. I get really excited. I guess it's sort of nervous. <coughs> it's like a it's, nervous excitement. Yeah, no. it's like I get really excited. It's like, oh, we're about to go out on stage. I mean, okay, it didn't happen the last two concerts because those places we've like yeah. played before. It's just like there's oh, that weird again. thing where you like because it's not like when you're like a kid <laughs> or when you're coming up and you have like a piano recital, you want to die. Yeah. Or at least I did. I don't know. If that's oh, I, oh yeah. But like I used to get so freaking nervous. But there, I think when you once you become a seasoned performer, you realize there's not that many venues that are different from the last one. Yeah. Well, a piano recital sometimes when you're a kid you had to play some like piano you never played before at some big church and you can't even push down the keys because it's like a big grand piano <laughs> and it's like what's going on? Well, I don't mean that always high. scared me. And with piano, <laughs> it's scary. Piano recitals you're typically being judged by like a teacher or something because it's supposed to be like yeah maybe so thing. maybe so but like competition performances I was always terrified man when, I, when I'm playing with, with you guys in a band like it just feels like Kidville <laughs> yeah <laughs> is this place where you play concerts for uh, two year olds and their parents like five times a week <laughs> and uh, and you know I don't know keyboard players yeah, we don't have to be that vulnerable. We're kind of just <laughs> adding some color or what definition is, to chords every once in a while, you know. Bass players is like if you mess up the bass, you know, yeah, messed up. What did you say, John, about people who said that they're not vulnerable? <laughs> Sorry, keyboard like, players aren't. Let's get to the solo. It's like, uh oh, here's the solo. For me, I don't know. 
playing and long for the long enough, you just get the realization that no one knows anything. Like, yeah. and I don't mean that in like a negative way. I just mean that in the in the sense that you know, in the 1600s, it was a lot easier to play a bad note than it is in 2017. And what I mean by that is. I'm waiting for this. That only makes sense to me. No, try again. I mean, I mean, <laughs> your playing style. I mean that tonality though. doesn't really have <laughs> rules any longer, and so as long as you do something, you do it confidently. Mm. I mean, if it's a train wreck, it's a train wreck. We can't fix that. Sure. But um, I'm understanding so much more about how you play guitar now. I no okay. <laughs> I mean you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean I I really feel like I don't play guitar as much as I just move my hands really fast. <laughs> it's called pantonality. <laughs> well, it's like, but I mean I know what I. It's not I'm not I don't mean I'm saying. For those that are listening at home, but. Uh, I mean, Chase is pretty good at guitar, and the notes <laughs> always sound like decently, at least tangent, tangential to the chords. So. I'm not. I saying. feel like there's a lot more instinct to yourself than you're giving yourself credit well, for. Well, it's always that. But I guess what I'm saying is that when you know the form, and I've spent a lot of time practicing the form. Right. So when you go on stage, you can go a little nuts and go a little crazy because you got all the building blocks already. You got, you got, the, every, you got the foundation. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you know, I don't think nerves are an issue. As long as you're, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Tell them what your your uh, favorite guitar teacher told you that one time. Oh, the audience. Well, you just essentially like you know, my favorite guitar teacher. I, uh, <laughs> I had to perform "Ode to Joy" on classical, like a classical guitar ring, and it's a lot, you know, pretty classic. <laughs> anyway, so um, it was my first time doing this, and some of the guitar teachers were like, you know. One of those things you just gotta be like, man, F the audience. Like they don't know crap. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like they're they're not gonna recognize the majority of this of this melody. Yeah. And like they're were not you, gonna. Were you like distorted and plugged in and everything? No, yeah. it was totally acoustic. Oh, okay. Totally. I thought you were like doing like a Jimi Hendrix like no. thing or <laughs> something. How, how old were you? Haven't always been a rocker, you know. What? How old were you? Uh, I don't know, like ten, twenty maybe. So, anyways. I don't know. That was the first time I started to learn how to cope with nerves because I was like, "You're right, you're right. I'm the one in control." Mm. I think the thing we when we get nervous this is because my we, song, yeah, right. And when we get nervous because we surrender our control and we give it to the audience and we say, "Oh, they have the control over how this is going." I hope they like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope they like mm-hmm. it. I hope they think it, I'm good. I hope they you know don't reject me. Whereas it's like, you guys better hope I don't reject you, suckers. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's that's kind of more of my attitude about going on stage nowadays. Like, you know, I don't necessarily need an audience. I mean, it's nice, but it's what I mean. I guess you just say, I don't need an audience on the <laughs> for those listening at home. We really like the audience. <laughs> I guess, but I'm not saying I don't because obviously I love having an audience and it's much better than playing alone. But <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that we from a purely a performance perspective, you know. I don't need an audience to play my guitar really. Well. I think I know. What you, I think I know what you're saying. You're saying if all you're doing is worried about what the audience is thinking, or what the people, the average person out there is thinking, or what you think they're thinking, yeah. you might play something that no one likes if you don't like it. But if you play something that at least you know you like, yeah, at least one person on earth likes it, and it's you. And chances are somebody out there is like you and is gonna like right. it. So you gotta be true to yourself, true to your likes, and and not worry about other people. And if you're really true to yourself, I think nerves the, begin to dissipate. 
and the audience will like it more than if you said, "Oh, gee, this is probably what they right." I wonder like because you're probably wrong. Right, because if you get nervous, you're kind of catering. You're trying to like you're you're getting nervous because you're like, "Oh my gosh, how can I make the audience like me and like what I do?" <laughs> or it's more like, "How can I like hide back here?" And not play <laughs> well, you you get to a point where if because some people can take that approach and like cater specifically to the audience or an audience. And they're only ever going to be as good as that audience wants them to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll never actually get to be what they could be. And I, that's why, to to a great extent, in many, many facets of performing music, uh, performers don't need an audience. They need, they should play for themselves. Right. And then the audience, if, they, if they're a good audience, will enjoy the fact that, that this process is happening in front of them. Right. Because um, the audience has a pretty low ceiling what they can expect you know yeah and depending like i mean some people i've played music for people that were just drunk out of their minds <laughs> i could have done anything i wanted yeah. so i yeah i explore it a little bit and those yeah. you know i'll add sure. an extra fill maybe when i didn't before and i'll leave that feeling great i could miss every note on the fill they're gonna leave happy i'm gonna be like yeah i tried next time i bet i'll nail that fill even though i screwed it up this time yeah and it will it will be a new moment that wouldn't have been there had i just played safe enough to think oh man this audience you know, I hope they like me. Like <laughs> I'm not going to do this I fill. Feel like, I, I feel like anyone up. who suffers from nerves should just play for a drunk audience at one point or another. Because oh, yeah. it, it really opens Your up. Your magic. It really does. Wrong. It really does open you up. Like it's Or just an empty bar. One of the two. <laughs> like, yep. That is a very uh, it's a unique feeling. I think the first time I stopped sort of caring was that time we played at that one venue downtown. Not where, too? Like they were, no. I think you mean the uh, numbers nightclub. Numbers. That all the people there were for the booze and the women. Sure. No, well, and we're there and we're it was like, stronger than booze. Well, well, and that happens. <laughs> it's another good reason not to cater to the audience because mm-hmm. they might be there for a completely different reason than you are. And yeah, and you begin to realize that until you have your own following who really loves the music for you, you are playing for people who aren't there for your music. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's something you just have to be used to and realize, you know, that there's going to be probably one or two people there who discover your music and like really cling to that Mm -hmm. but you know for your first you know few quite a few shows you realize that no one's there for you and that you have to be there for you which is also why we play covers yeah it does help yeah sometimes because that that reaches out to people yeah the um the the idea of surrendering power um i wanted to i wanted to expand on that a little bit because i listened to um, I've, I've become a, a more avid podcast listener and I listen to a lot of stand-up um, you guys have probably heard me spout off most of someone's stand-up special and if you're not familiar with it it just sounds like I'm really funny I'm just <laughs> not funny I'm just I think you're I'm just <laughs> well, we think you're funny John um, but this this whole idea of uh, I like the I like the metacognitive idea that like okay I have this much power I'm gonna go with the audience and share it with them or hold it hold it above them I mean it's it's interesting and I've heard stand-ups say you know a lot of times you are the one person in the joint with a microphone Mm -hmm. you're the only person that anyone's gonna be able to hear with any sort of consistency or authority and sometimes you're actually physically elevated like we've we've played stages where we're yeah Mm -hmm. three feet above the nearest audience member and 10 feet away from them. Yeah. Um, that is a position of power. Like 
some people don't realize that some people see it as like a pedestal yeah and sometimes it's it sort of is uh, but mostly if you really think about it you're 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 driving the bus yeah um, you got the control that's one of the things that um you know when i'm when i'm teaching what be it a class you know when i was a band director it took me a little bit i had to use some of my performance experience to be like oh i i'm the one i'm sort of piloting this yeah. this ship yeah. These these kids are gonna do what I say unless I let them do what they want to do, because they want to get on Snapchat and eat Cheetos, and <laughs> I want to play music. So I'm just like, hey, we're gonna play music, and that's the option you get. It's the same thing. I think you know, I I take that when I'm performing. I'm gonna play drum set. Absolutely. If you want to listen, you should stay in this room because that's where you're gonna be able Absolutely. to hear. <laughs> if you don't want to listen, then it really is a management position when you get down to it. Like you realize that like you're there to tell the audience what to do. And it's not, and it's it's kind of it's very Everybody difficult. Clap you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a difficult balance, obviously, because you can't like be like bossy or whatever. But you are essentially directing their attention and how everything that happens is going to be perceived. Mm-hmm. It's really. It's like a dance, you know. Yeah. You know, like you're dance. you're the lead in a dance. You know, the follower doesn't doesn't have to dance. They don't right. have to say yes. You but if it. they do, then you gotta lead and. Yeah. You bow at the end, just like in music. Right. You know, we should. We, we should bow. Set the rules. Is that classy? That way, actually, we should do that. Like the Beatles, you know? The Beatles I, bowed. I said that idea like three years I, ago. I know. We, used to, <laughs> we, actually, we actually used to do that. Oh, I just totally forgot. We just I just forgot that we used to do it. We're doing it. Next show, you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stand yeah, up. Whenever that is, whenever this gets posted. <laughs> the show after that. <laughs> Drew, if you're listening, we're going we're gonna to bow. <laughs> <laughs> Next show. And me and John are wearing suits. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. For those of you at home, John. Drew is uh, the fifth member of everybody <laughs> here of Carthy. <laughs> that is, that is important. And third brother. Mm-hmm. We will. Uh, I'll make sure to do a nice sappy intro. So he can... Very very nineties. That actually, that's an interesting point too. Uh, so we talked a lot about the music and you know the performance side of it and ways to you know physically facilitate the music. Um, how about the how about the aesthetics of a band? Like, what does a band look like in twenty seventeen? Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. I, no, I was gonna say beautiful question, but I just cut it off. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> so. It's all about. Okay. Uh, I'll Pretty say bad. I'll say what I think about it. What Chase is getting at is if you're not beautiful, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you can't be successful in 2017. No, that is so untrue. Um, so I mean, what does a band look like in 2017? So I, it all depends on your end goal. Like you said, you have to know what you want to do mm-hmm. with your. So I mean, if you want to be the Jonas Brothers or something that's not they're not really popular they're in not 2000, a thing anymore. But okay, let's take a what's a popular band too? Oh, uh, hey, you want to be DNCE tr- is awesome. Yeah, actually, that's Toilet Pilots is the biggest thing right now. As far as bands go, they're like the biggest band that's been around for a while. So it's kind of one of those things that like, they didn't follow any of the rules. And so it's one of those things where, you know, what does a band look like? First off, a band, no matter what it looks like, if it doesn't have good music, it doesn't really matter what they, what they look like. I think, I think we've established that. Yeah. But this, it's always good to touch on because, you know, people are like, 
how to be successful, what do I need to dress like? And like, what does he need to sound like? Because it's a fuck, he's in the <laughs> But, uh... You're just like you play your instrument well. <laughs> yeah, right, there is an aspect to that. Like, um, you know, one of the things um, that we get a lot is that, that we don't dress like we do drugs all the time. There's yeah. an aspect to that. Like, people want to know that, like, you know, I mean... They don't necessarily, I mean, it depends. Okay, it's just so much. There's so many variables. It, okay, so who's your audience? So if you're going for your audience and you know, because you don't know who your audience is if you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I think, you know, um, there's this really, it's really tricky balance because, on, okay, on one hand, you got to be yourself and you have to be true to what you do. But on the other hand, if what you do is really weird and you scare people, <laughs> you're not going to be very successful. But if that's what you like. There's an audience for that. Like, is- <laughs> that's the thing. You'll never scare everyone away. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, well, okay. It depends on- so here's the thing. The variability depends on your le- how, what level of success, success do you want. Where you want that level of success to be. And um, what level of, you know, people you actually want to reach. So, like, if let's just say you want to be as big as humanly possible, you know, you gotta, you have to have that online presence. You need the platform shoes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you need the tights. You need the capes. You got the people, well, you know, it's kind of, so are you talking about, like, clothes? (laughs) (laughs) That's why, no, I, 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 I hope I phrased it as aesthetics. Yeah. And not necessarily what does a band physically look like, but what, is it, what does it look like to be a band okay. aesthetically, which can be, yeah, definitely the physical thing is a lot of it. Um, but what does it feel like? What does the yeah. show feel like? What does the show look like? That kind of thing. So I think it's important for a band to like, it is totally how you dress is so important. It's so important. And I think you just have to find out who you are and who the band is and really go for that. Because what you, how you dress says a lot about how you sound and who's going to come to your shows. But also, like the uh, stage, you know, that's really huge too. Because, um, like, I mean, obviously when you're coming up to the ranks, whatever, you don't really have much control over what's on your stage. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I've seen a lot of local bands do great, really creative things with very limited space. Like the stage we played mm-hmm. at last night. Mm-hmm. I've seen, like, you know, local bands do really great stuff, like, you know, have a couple of banners on the side that they just pop up there. Have a mascot. Have a like mascot. Scuba diver. <laughs> yeah. That's a very special way to do things. Uh, you know, there's all kind of, like, there's, you know, the, I think the other thing to think about in, in 2017, I don't think there's one look, there's one aesthetic, you know, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because if you think about, like, other eras, Anyone who was success, you know, successful generally had a very similar uh, aesthetic to the people who came before them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But I feel like in 2017, like this year, like last year, you know, I think 21 Pilots blew up, but they came out of nowhere, and they don't. their aesthetic isn't really like anyone who's in the mainstream. Well, it's hard to tell in the own, right? In the 90s, you're like, well, gee, everybody in these decades had these certain looks, and now we all look different. But then when you look back at the 90s, you realize everybody kind of looked the same. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody will look back at 2017 and say, "Oh yeah, everything was sort of." We just can't see it now. We don't know what it is. I know. It looks well, warm. It's like the air. Yeah. It's like you're breathing the air. It's yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, it is really. I didn't know I, when I lived in the 90s. I was like, "Huh, you know, the 80s had a thing, but the 90s totally doesn't." But now you I look, look back, back at it, and it's like, like "Oh wow. my gosh, it stands out like my way." Construction yeah. boots, really? Frosted tips. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The boy band thing. It's like 
we don't even know what it is. It's yeah, probably yeah. something to do with beards. And <laughs> <laughs> beard and beard ornaments. Yeah. Beards in a Starbucks. Quantum of Pilots doesn't have beards. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think figure it out. <laughs> it's so. I think aesthetics are so open ended now, and especially with the tech evolving way it is, like yeah. you know, it's changing so fast and so much. Um, but I think you know when you're when you're first coming through, like coming up, I think you just have to figure out a way to stand out. Like you know, that's. I think a successful band will always find a way to stand out aesthetically. Man, I was just realizing. Uh, I always wear sunglasses at your shows, but I remember being a kid doing a piano recital where you're gonna play a blues piece, like this little kid like blues piano thing, and I walked up there and I sat down and I pulled these sunglasses out of my pockets and put them on. Then another time, like a Christmas recital, and I was supposed to play We Three Kings, and I walked up there and I put this like like wrap this turban thing around my head, like nice. as a, a you know one of the magi from the Orient and the, your nativity set and played We Three Kings, and I realized I've always worn some weird hat <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> playing a lot of these talent shows and piano things yeah, yeah. and it's like am I wearing the sunglasses so I can like hide my identity so I'm not as vulnerable mm. so I can just jam out and not care what anybody thinks and close my eyes and it, I don't have to care about it maybe but also it's just fun and I'm like if I'm going to be in a large room of people going nuts and making really loud noises at people I mean it's going to be well. fun so I might as well dress up in a fun costume because <laughs> I don't you know there's something to be said for that because I remember I had my first piano recital in college. I wanted to die. I was so nervous. And so I was like, you had to wear all black. Back. No all exception. Right. But I had these flaming white cowboy boots. Oh, man. <laughs> With like three inch heels on them. Like <laughs> huge heels. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to wear my cowboy boots to this recital. And so I did. I put my cowboy boots on and I was like, I'm less nervous. <laughs> I, like, I look like I already look like an idiot. <laughs> I, I can't mess it up anymore, and so it really helped. Like I did a really good piano recital because I was just like, yeah. I feel like if you just like uh, you know if you jam out at, on the piano, right, and you like look like you're you know Stevie Wonder or something is going nuts on, on the piano, and people are like, oh, who's this guy? If you have sunglasses, it's like, oh, okay, this guy knows he's doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, right. He's living up to it. You know, it's like okay, he kind of been on the joke, right? That's what I hope I it comes know. across as anyway. You know, that's actually an interesting thing when you think of the aesthetics. Is Self-aware, that yeah. honesty. Like yeah. I think more than ever in 2017, like oh, people yeah. spot a you want so far away you want to feel everybody in the audience and maybe that maybe the honesty is the gimmick now i don't know i don't know either. i think everybody you know like the millennial thing right you want to go to a show and you want to feel like you could be friends with these people you don't just want to see good musicians you want to be like wow these were cool guys and we're gonna totally connect on instagram and and and, (laughs) yeah and be bros and it's you know there's a there's this big authenticity thing which is cool i read something actually that's interesting about that bob dylan somebody was interviewing bob dylan and he and they were like, "What do you think about like you know shows these days and the whole scene and whatever?" And he's like, "I think it's really weird, you know. People want to come up to me and be my friend." <laughs> and he's like, "They come to my concerts like they're my friend." And he's like, "He's like, I, I would just as soon go and try to hang out with Van Gogh because you know I'm his fan, therefore we should be friends." <laughs> he was just totally taken aback by this concept of relatability. Right. And I was just like, "Wow." so interesting. I mean, it's totally... Are we a... starved for intimacy <laughs> because of our phony Facebook friends and screen hey, connections? My 800 Facebook friends are real. Okay. <laughs> At least like 600 of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's... The, 
the, I think the idea of relatability is important. I think that is maybe a, a newer thing. Um, um, because they used to started with the Beatles, guys. It all started. <laughs> well, people used to go on stage in like tight leather pants and shiny sequin tops, and that's yeah. not that was meant to be different from yeah. your everyday thing. Yeah. But then everyone started wearing that. <laughs> well, yeah, and then it sort of went the other way, and I think now we've come full circle. Where like, I, to me, um, I maybe not even as far as as the aesthetics go, but just the approach. As a performer, I I try to, um, I try to exhibit a little bit of humility. Like I I, mm-hmm. I maintain or I try to uh, I do my best to maintain a reverence for the fact that um, these people are allowing me to yeah. perform in front of them. Well, and you know, no, they don't get to call every single shot. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it is different than you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't come and play a show in. Something that's like dirty or tattered, yeah. unless you know that was a specific thing that they uh, like. Metal, I came for to. yeah, I came for a grunge metal show. Yeah. I want to know that this dude works on cars when he's not playing, <laughs> and you know that's a thing. But like for people, you know, folks that go to our shows, like, and maybe not every day is going to be a suit and tie, but it might. It's going to be something that I like and I feel comfortable to wear. But it's going to be something that's different than my everyday, like sitting around. You know, yeah. eating Cheetos. You know, I don't. I won't wear those clothes because it means more to me than that. Like being able to perform, um, and it's it's sort of the the least I can do to thank someone for spending their time watching me do yeah, what I like I to do. Yeah. So respect for the audience. Yeah, yeah definitely. <coughs> Whether that translates as relatability, someone feels like, oh, he's wearing nice clothes. I can go talk to him because he cares. Uh, maybe yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care. I don't mind talking to people. Um, I, that's that hasn't really been much of a thing for me. Some people will come by, hey, nice show. Cool. Thanks, Some bro. people. I mean, most people go talk to the front man or whoever's yeah. selling the, the swag. Yeah, and, and that's, front man. Selling the swag. <laughs> yeah. Frontliners. Those guys. The lead singers. Yeah. <laughs> or singers. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Or <laughs> dude with a microphone. It's fine. I get it. Um. So that's, I think that's a good, I think that's a good sort of barometer. I mean, you know, we're, we're playing, we're, we're in, we're sort of in between scenes. I don't think that, I wouldn't call us punk rock. We play venues with punk rock bands and there's, there's a very, there's a pretty, um, uh, accepted aesthetic for what they dress like, what their set looks like, what their instruments look like, you know, um, like if we all got up on stage and had bright pink instruments, I think that would be sweet. But maybe people would be like, "What are they going for here?" Yeah, but, I mean the pretty yeah. bads. That's that's their that's their thing. That's their mm-hmm. jam. That <laughs> totally works. It does. You know, I think I think some of it is it, it does sort of depend on the the audience, what you want, what kind of folks you want. You know, um, it's all yeah, it's all very deliberate. I mean, not always, but <coughs> I mean, it should. I think it, it should there should be, be a little yeah, bit. Yeah, bands. It, it kind of makes sense. It's like, yeah, that's about how I'd imagine that to go. That's their humility. That's the pretty bad's humility. Thinking, oh, our fans love this. Yeah. You know, yeah. I pro- I might not wear bright pink everything day to day. That might not be what I wear at the grocery store. Maybe it is. Maybe it just <laughs> happens to fit. But or it's clean that day. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very punk rock thing. <laughs> I need to actually wash my pink shirt before the next, <laughs> the next pretty bad show. Thanks for reminding me. Of that. Yeah, you're welcome. I only have one. I'm only saying that because I have laundry to do too. <laughs> oh yeah. No, yeah. 
yeah, there's a humility, respect for the audience. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a connection. It's a human connection. Some would say music is a sacred uh, connection. There's something mystical that happens, you know, when those strings start playing those notes. Something uh, can't quite put your finger on. It's greater than the sum of its parts. There's a, a synthesis. I'm really rambling on here. So <laughs> I'm gonna say something interesting. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I was and waiting for you to get to that point where it's like, wow, this is good. <laughs> you just I, gave up on me. I think that... I think that that part is just as important as the practical aspects of yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you play? What do you look like? Those things are super important. What you sound like. Um, but I think even and this will be I think this will be an interesting topic. I, and it's it usually in the stuff that I listen to, it's it's sort of a, a closing thing because we can we can go a little deeper and then once a lot of people say stuff that they've thought and never really said out loud or never, never discussed. And then it's like, Whoa, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. But now that's a good place to stop and reflect. Um, you know, we've, we've got a, we've got a lot of good stuff going. I'm it, the question. <clears throat> one of the many questions is, um, about, about music and performing and, you know, particularly being in a band. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's good for everyone to have a personal answer, whether they can articulate it in words or not. But like, you know, questions like, why are you in a band? Why do you play music? Um, what, what moves it for you? What was, what's, what did anything happen in your life that, um, moved you to think that some people say, oh, well, I was called to do this. Um, a lot of people that grow up in church, God called me to play music for a living for these people. Um, you know, if, if that, that, and I think that's very personal for everyone. Um, you know, I, I have some thoughts on it. I would like to go last because I would like to hear um, what you guys think. Because I, I talk a lot and I'm going to hear my own voice and not want to listen to it anymore. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm curious, what, what, are, what are some of y'all's motivation, motivational moments or thoughts or spiritual connections that you think drive your musical bus, so to speak. Can I go first? You <laughs> yeah. I'm the youngest brother, so I never get to go first. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, for me in particular, um, being in a band with my brothers really, there's a, a connection there that's different than I, I'd say for most things. Like for whatever reason, I don't know. I just don't really enjoy playing music with other people as much as I do my brothers sure. um, but I really think it's the emotional connection with just people in general mm -hmm. I feel like there is a um, an intimacy there that's not experienced so much uh, through just everyday conversing sort of a thing there's something about music that communicates something you can't really say with words mm -hmm. and it's just different kind of emotional connection to people Definitely, it's it's very deep, and that is uh, people say. Oh, it's a it's a famous quote. The author slips my mind now, but where uh, music expresses what words cannot. It's very simple and to the point, and that's exactly right. And I think that's it's good. I mean, that's it. <laughs> my I didn't don't get to perform or play music with my I have one sister, and I'm so the fact that you guys are as, as close as you are as brothers. To me, it was a super attractive quality when I was coming to play with you guys. Um, 
I could feel how close you guys were. I mean, the photos alone, there's there's body language in photos that, that makes makes very evident what you're saying. So that's cool, and that's very good. It's sort of right up right up that alley. So the question is, why are we playing music? <laughs> yeah, one of the, the sort of in a broad <laughs> sense. In a broad sense, did something move you to play music? Did um, if we want, if we'd like, a, I'm sorry well, to interrupt. But if we'd like a more physical reason of why I'm I'm in music, I was like eight years old, and my mom forced me to join the local homeschool choir, <laughs> and uh, I said no, and then we got in a fight, and I cried. And that's why I'm in music. <laughs> wow. That's just as important. <laughs> yeah. But now you're happy that happened? But now I'm happy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, did, I didn't want to take piano lessons. Isn't that funny how that goes? I wanted to quit guitar so bad. My mom, my mom wouldn't let me. No, I didn't even want to start. I was like, oh, nice. that's with all the... Because I'd seen, like, in movies and stuff, and seen laying around the house, like, the sheet music, and I said, there's so many things to read at once. Like, I can... I who, thought it would be like reading like five books at once. I mean, kind of. God, still kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, how can you do all that at once? Like, it would just hurt my head, and I don't even want to try, because I know I could never do that. And uh, turns out... Turns out you can't. Turns out I actually really can't do that. What I was imagining <laughs> when I was a kid was like, how can you do a different thing with every finger and read it all at the same time? Still can't do that. But uh, there's some. Uh, there's still some fun stuff along the way. So, <laughs> so that's good. But... Uh, why do you play music? Gee, why do we do anything? I don't know. I think music's really... <laughs> why do we do anything? I think... Yeah. Why do we go grocery shopping? <laughs> music's really important, guys. It's hard to say why. You I, know? I, I think I can say why. Oh, Chase is going to say why. Okay. Go, Chase. Go. And it was an experience I had that just like turned me around because there was this, this like huge period of time ever since I like was 16 to I was about, I guess, 22... I, you know, I was really, I felt like I, you know, was really good at it and I really enjoyed it, but I just constantly didn't understand why anyone would do it. Mm-hmm. And I, it was one of those things, I still struggle with it from time to time. I just won't always, I tend to devalue it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because it's so much part of my life that I just tend to think it's not important. But what happened was, uh, I got this gig, <clears throat> uh, once a week playing at a nursing home and, uh, it was... You know, really kind of scary. I don't know. Nursing homes have always kind of scared me. I don't know why. Um, I try not to let them scare me, but they <laughs> usually do. And, uh, you know, um, so I, I just went in there and I would just play for about an hour. And I would just kind of improvise, uh, like, you know, over like Ray Charles or, you know, this, this tune or that tune or whatever. And I would just, I wouldn't stop. <laughs> I would just play for an hour. And uh, these old folks would just come out of the, woodwork uh you know and um most of them could hardly talk like it was you know it was one of those things it was a lot of them had you know um, alzheimer's and just every kind of affliction you can imagine they were experiencing this and the first thing i realized was oh my gosh like this thing that i'm doing and showing up to do and not really caring about is literally making these people's week Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest realization that they were coming out and trying to dance. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. They were actually trying to stand out of their wheelchair and dance. Mm-hmm. Like these people who never moved were trying to dance, and I was just like, "That was the first thing." I was like, "What the heck? What? What? What is this power? What is what? I don't understand." 
the second thing was just the relationships that I started to get with them and like how much how much appreciation they showed me mm-hmm. you know like um, you know I would sit for a little bit after before I left because they would want to talk and they would you know tell me you know Oh, your piano, you know, it reminds me of when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I remember this one summer, me and my husband, we were, you know, in this place. And there was a piano. piano. And he was playing music, mm-hmm. and we were dancing, and it reminded me, and that and that. And I was just like, you know, I just wanted to cry so yeah. much. And then the one of the last things that affected me during that time was I was playing piano and doing my thing. And so one of the nurses comes up and says, hey, this lady right here. She uh, has some pretty serious Alzheimer's stuff. She can't really, you know, remember anything. But she, but she used to play piano. She used to teach piano. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she was sitting right there. I was like, do you want to play? And she was like, she was like, oh, I, 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 I don't want to. And I was like, oh no, please, please play something. And she was like, oh no, I'm okay. And she like, I was like, what's your name? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. She, she didn't remember things. And she couldn't remember, like, she could barely remember her name. She barely, sometimes knew where she was, but it was just, you know, she really was out there. Mm. And she sat down, sight read freaking Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) (laughs) Her fingers knew exactly what to do. Yeah. And in that moment, I just, I was like, I don't know what it is or why it is, but music is like one of the most powerful forces on earth Mm -hmm. that these people who are at the end of their life are sitting here playing music they've heard their entire life, listening to music their entire that they've heard their, their entire life, and it is all coming back. They remember it all. It all brings. It's like, I was just like, what the heck? It's like a completely emotional thing. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, at that in that moment, I was like, I know why I play, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was just like an absolute light bulb moment where, you know, from that moment on, I was like, I know why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So you know, that that that's that's my story. Um, and so that, that's really why I, I do it, man, because I, I realized that <clears throat> at the end of my, at the end of the people's life who have listened to, you know, our music, um, I trust that because what we do is with passion, with honesty, with sincerity, that, that they're going to remember it and they're going to remember it as a time and a thing that made them happy. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's mine. That, that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's totally reasonable somebody could somebody could somebody could hear something we play tomorrow morning just randomly accidentally click on it on the internet and that song changes their life yeah like that could could be the song they remember when they're in the Alzheimer's care yeah Yeah. makes them dance that's that's awesome that's great It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deep, it's a deeper question. And that's one of the things. It's heavy. It's hard. It's a hard question. <laughs> it's a really hard question. Some, yeah. And, and sometimes there's, there's not an answer. Some people are just like, I don't know yet. Right. Yeah. It hasn't become, it hasn't been made evident to me. You don't um, always know. I mean, I was just as devoted to it as I am, as I was before, like that experience, but I wouldn't have been able to communicate it. Yeah. yeah. That's um, I think I may have shared with you guys. Uh, you know, my grandmother just recently passed away, and one of the last, literally seconds before she passed, um, she was in an Alzheimer's care facility, and her primary caregiver was um, 
just awesome, awesome guy. Was 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 so friendly and and kind to all of those folks. And um, she's she's uh, my our mamma was was in a walker for the last you know, year and a half, two years. She could kind of walk, but she got to the point where she was used to a walker and she didn't really. You know, they were on their way to uh, sit down for their their evening supper, and she was had her walker up and. Uh, caregiver Lucian, great, great, tremendous guy. Yeah. Said, Nana, come dance with me. <laughs> no music. Just nice. had the music in their heads. And she, and we, we kind of joke, we don't know if she's ever danced in her life ever. <laughs> she was, she was a school teacher for a long time, back when, you know, school teachers were, you know, ruler wielding. Yeah. Um, and she's good at what she did, but, you know, did, yeah. probably wasn't a big dancer. Right. And she danced. She danced with this guy, and we have because I have a video of it because wow. it was he it was on their like security camera recording. She uh, she yeah. sat down with the biggest smile on her face, and that was her last that was her last moment. Legitimately, was some music in her head allowed them to dance, and it was that it was you know very similar. Yeah, Alzheimer's care. That's and, beautiful, man. So. What do you think? What do you think, Ben? Do you have a? Yeah, there's there's something deep there, man. With music, it's uh, you know, it's, it makes you it makes you feel certain ways without without words, without without even context. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you don't need to know that the song is about you know a puppy dying for it to be like a sad song. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody will hear it and think it's a happy song. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, without context, but it, it will do something. It will touch some part of you that is, you know, your soul. Mm. And it's it's like soul food, man. That's what music is. It's mm. it's just it's it's a little it's a little glimpse of another language that that we sort of all sort of know that we can speak, but maybe forgot exactly how or something like mm-hmm. that. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. You know, when when people talk about, you know, you, you, people write about uh, heaven, it's always it's full of music and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and a lot of uh, that sort of imagery, and a lot of a lot of religions out there. I think there's a I think there's a reason reason why the why we attract so many things music so much. Mm-hmm. Um, why do I like playing music? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're a little kid and you do something. And everybody's really super proud of you, and they're like, "Hey, good job! You, you know, fed yourself with that spoon and didn't spill it, and or you made the poo poo all by yourself." And, <laughs> I'm still working on that. You know, and, and if you did that, yay! And, and you did, or you didn't wet the bed all night. Good job! And, and you get all this uh, affirmation, and then eventually, eventually, you know, the real world hits. And, <laughs> All that stuff stops, yeah. you know. You don't get the gold stars just for just for showing up to class anymore. And oh, gee, maybe it's just the millennial thing, right? So we were all too coddled <laughs> or something. That's what everybody seems to say. And then uh, one by one, all those things drop off, and it turns out you're not the not the the number one star guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that uh, for me uh, with music. That sort of like never stopped. <laughs> 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 I was like, "Good job, Ben. Good job that you did that. You played those notes real good." They're like, "Oh, awesome." <laughs> Everything else is like nobody cares about. But 
People still like good job. Really good job. I feel like I feel like I'm a little kid did something for the first time, and everybody's like, "Whoa, that was really cool." You did a really good job. And I thought it was, you know, when I was a kid making music, I kind of got it. Like, okay, I'm a cute kid playing the piano, <laughs> playing the piano, you know, slightly, <laughs> slightly musically, and obviously people are gonna like it. And then, uh, and then they got older. People still like it, so people like it, so I do it. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to me. Yeah, just, there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's I I think having oneself in the in your sights is to is, is a goal to make someone happy. I think it's good to have you yourself be up there. Um, and you know, especially if it's something that happens via other people, they they are pleased and impressed, and I think it's good. I think it's totally totally reasonable. I I think I'm pretty extroverted, <laughs> like pretty hardcore extroverted. So the fact that music is the music that we do is such a social thing, it's just like that's it's kind of like a dream, you know. Mm. Mm. Not a lot of I, not a lot of musicians, I think, are in touch with the extroverted part. I don't of think so. Yeah. No. <laughs> It's it's challenging because you're expected to do expect you're expected to be in touch with your feelings and write about them. Yeah, and extrovert it doesn't mean outgoing necessarily, but it just means well you like social settings and yeah. being around a lot of people. I guess I guess you recharge. It's really it is challenging though because yeah. you're expected to be like you know introspective, introspective at the same time, and yeah. be in touch with your inner self and write about it. And then I'm supposed to go out and be like, "What's up?" Not the backup keyboardist though. We well, yeah, you can yeah. Like whatever you want to do, baby. <laughs> the best job in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's a tricky balance. That's the other thing, right? The musician as artist, right? Are you? Oh no! Right when the, the Beatles start writing their own songs, and then it's always it's always the Beatles, and then people are like, oh, now a musician means like you're a poet and you're <laughs> pouring stuff out from within yourself, and, yeah. And, yeah. and people get disappointed when they find out that their artist that they like didn't write that song. They're like, what? No, this is an outrage. They're upset, <laughs> and it's like, what? It's still saying you mean really good. didn't actually slip a line of coca <laughs> they, but, I feel like though that goes back to the connection thing so like yeah it's a like connection thing you want the to, authenticity yeah. yeah they feel like they, they're connecting to whoever's singing but then they're like oh the singer didn't write it so I don't know who I'm connecting with here anymore <laughs> I mean that you know might not have been as big of an issue yeah 60 years ago <laughs> yeah true story yeah well um, I think there's there's really one uh, one kind of moment that solidified it for me, and it was um, I was I was part of a musician fraternity in college, and it was a lot of fun. It was sort of my my way to I didn't I didn't really watch sports. I didn't go out and drink. It was my way to have a social life. Um, and they were pretty much, you know, sports and, and booze. <laughs> Is it Mu? But no. Five Mu Alpha was, okay. the, was the group. Um, and we would have meetings on Tuesday nights. And sometimes they, we, they would start at 7, and sometimes they wouldn't end until like 3. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, they eventually changed the rules to where we had to be out by 12. <laughs> so that, that changed the way that they functioned a little bit, because we couldn't just stay and socialize. Um, but... 
until that time we were staying, you know, super long hours. I was getting to meet, I was, you know, a freshman or a sophomore when I joined and, you know, I was getting to meet with seniors and people in their sixth year, um, doing, you know, performance or doing their student teaching the following semester. So I was getting a lot of a really cool social network that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, I made friends with a lot of singers and this is before I was a music major. I was still doing journalism, but I was still writing, but not as much music. Um, but I decided, um, it, it was, I decided to join in and it was, it was a fun experience. It was really great. And they, they really taught me how to sing <laughs> in a, in a choir setting. I'd never been in a choir before. Um, and then in the summer of 2009, um, is when my dad passed away and I thought, well, um, he wouldn't disapprove now. So I'm going to go back and be a music major. <laughs> you know, he wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. And, or he wanted me to go in the military and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, <Ooh>, golly, <laughs> not, uh, not cut out for that. But I decided to go ahead and, and go back and do that. And that first summer, um, or that first, I guess it would have been the fall following that, um, I wrote a, a piece of music for men's choir. I came back as a composition major, so I was writing, writing music. Didn't know what I was doing yet because I only had one <laughs> semester in music theory, um, and I had played drums up until that point. You know, I knew like what a bell part would do. And I was like, I know some flute music, but not really. <laughs> um, you know, so I had it was sort of rudimentary, but because of that, I I wrote in there some things that weren't common practice for for part men's choir. Um, but one of the things that really it solidified not only being a music major for me but like giving my life to music mm. and using music to give to other people um, is well I wrote this piece and I was like I gave it to the guys I was like yeah, they'll, I'll never look at it I'm not even I don't even know what I'm doing yet and they're like yeah let's let's read through it let's give it a shot and there's a bunch of singers in the group so yeah. it actually sounded you know, okay, when we sing it, um, and it starts kind of low and you know gruff and manly. I didn't mean to do that. I was like, oh, this, these notes are fun. Yeah. Um, there was one. There was one chord in there that I knew what I was doing. I got to. There was one point. It was a, a, a landing spot where I really like. I had this moment in my mind, and I had never heard it before because you know MIDI playback, sort yeah. of. It's not, but it's not the human voice. It's not words. Right. I wrote I wrote my own text. I wrote it for the fraternity, um, and it was a it was a piece called "Artists Are We," and it's about hmm. what what the job of an artist is, what what we do, how we do it, when our job is over, and our job is over when we are laid down to, to rest hmm. for 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 our eternal rest. But this this moment happened. Um, I was conducting it, and I had never hmm. conducted anything, so I was like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm sitting there like super nervous and shaking and the guys were like really like, you know, Haha, it's fine, don't worry about it, just tell us where you want us to sing. This is okay, so I, I finally like composed myself and got through it's it's at the end of the first phrase and it's a D minor chord. I think it's a big like open space, properly voiced D minor chord. Nice. Because that's the only one of the only chords I ever worked with was an open space minor chord. Um and, and we, we were singing through that, and I got through, we got through the first line, and it was about to come up to that. And all of a sudden, I'm like, every, every bit of 
my musical career and my musical journey, like all the marching band, all of the the concert band stuff, mm-hmm. all of the, the concerts I'd seen, like all came like pouring into my brain at the same time. Mm. And then as I'm sitting there with all of these guys singing something that I wrote for them, we hit that D minor chord and like I just I had to stop conducting and like sit in the corner and, oh, and like man. it was it was what I what I think some people would call like a religious experience. It was very mm. much like that. It was like wow. and you know, I'm not I don't want to say anything as like heinous and abrasive as like music is my religion because it's not really the same thing. I so that's that's different. It's <laughs> different for some people, yeah. but that was regardless what music is. Right, that right. was definitely a religious experience Absolutely. for me. It was it was haunting and, and and touching and moving in a way that that literally changed my life, changed the rest of my mm. life, and everything I do um, sort of goes back to that there are times where music is really hard yeah <laughs> music as a as a professional as a as an adult trying to make a, a a practical living with music it's it's hard sometimes like existential dread <laughs> is hard mm-hmm. um but then i think back to that random tuesday night where those dudes gave me a chance and they didn't mean anything to them they'd sung a d minor chord before, yeah but <laughs> i'd never heard them sing my d minor chord before mm. and that to me was like Okay, that's why, you know, that's why if I'm playing drum set, I'm, I'm going to sing backup. Yeah. That's yeah. why if someone asked me to arrange something, I arrange it in two different keys. That's why if um, someone asked me to do something for drum line, they get a five bass drum part, a four bass drum part. <laughs> There's a cymbal line part. It's optional. There's an extra <laughs> keyboard part, a two keyboard part. It's like I, I have to... I have to give like everything that I have into that. And there's, you know, some practical ways where like, maybe I'm not going to be able to spend 10 hours of time writing something that really should take one or two. Mm. But it means that like, as much as is possible for whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And that, that to me is like, I I consider that, um, you know, I, I try my hardest to be to be humble to not only to the audience and to the people I play with, but to music itself. Music as an art form is really important, um, and I I think you guys understand that. Now I wouldn't bother saying it, and I think <laughs> um, I think people listening, I think that some people may have had similar experiences. Aren't aren't Please, old enough? To comment below. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's one of those things where this is sort of an ongoing. Um, it's an ongoing discussion. It's an ongoing. As long as there is music, there will be. There should be discussion and thought and mm-hmm. um, pontification about it. Um, and so, that's one of the reasons why I like the podcast. Um, and if people don't want to hear me talk, they can just skip the last <laughs> part of this. Um, but you know, if they do, I, I think it's good. And I think this this was decent context. And you guys had a lot of um, good things to say. And I think. With that, um, I think we can sort of think about some some closing things. Would do you guys have anything about music, about being in a band, about performing? Any sort of closing things before we wrap it up? Practice your scales. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, I was a visual art major. 
through two years and, and people would always complain about all the art theory and all the exercises and stuff and they're like I just want to be expressive how come they can't understand that why they gotta make me follow these rules and learn these things and it's like in music it's like well if you just want to be expressive you can be real expressive but you're only gonna be playing those same three chords or whatever over mm-hmm. and over again if, if you I mean, or in the same way, right? Maybe yeah. you you can't you can just write three chords your whole life and still be really expressive. But it's like you do the nitty gritty. Nobody expects you to do the nitty gritty stuff your whole life, right? You do that so you can be expressive on top of it, and you can have freedom and just sit there and you know Chase is just thinking about I'm just gonna move my hands and really get into it. But he's you know the theory is all kind of built in already to his muscle memory stuff like that. So do the hard stuff, and then you can do the. Uh, the hard stuff sucks. The hard stuff sucks. Especially when you're in, especially when you're doing it in college and the professors are like, you have to do this and you have to do it exactly like that. If you don't do it exactly like that, you did it wrong. And you're, just like, and you're just like, I'm an artist. <laughs> it's like, it, every hard thing you do, it's like adding another like color to your little palette of colors that you're going to use to be expressive. You, and you know, you want to use a lot. <laughs> you have to realize another thing too is, because I, I really, when I look back, I'm like, why didn't I work harder? Like, I worked pretty hard. <laughs> but I'm like, why didn't I work harder? Because when you get out, you don't really get to practice very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you're working. And when you're not working, you're playing gigs. And so it's one of those things where take that time to practice, man. Because it's, like, it's so valuable. And you don't even realize that it's not going to be there forever. But Practice is also kind of the cornerstone of everything that a band or a musician is. Yeah. So, and I mean, I say this having horrible practice, yeah, right. Uh, you know, efforts my entire life. Like I, I was, I was always worse at practicing. But uh, you know, practicing, studying, you know, all that stuff. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> so important. I hate how important it is. No, that's a good takeaway. Don't don't turn your nose up at the at the nitty gritty. Or, or the, metronomes. Or the nitty gritty. <laughs> The nitty gritty of being a band of like, oh, we gotta go, you know, order a mic cable or whatever mm-hmm. it is. This is not actual music, part of music. It's like, well, you'll have more fun. <laughs> Get this all taken care of. Yeah. We gotta order two mic cables. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's um, good stuff. So. Well, I feel like I, got, I know you guys a lot better now. <laughs> yeah, that was a really uh old that was pretty intense intense two hours yeah it was 152 yeah. guys come on it's not two hours <laughs> well uh no I, I I'm super thankful for you guys and thanks for letting us do a podcast yeah, yeah. yeah. Just hang we on love here you in, John. Uh, John Patty Studios oh John Patty Studios that's right and uh John Patty Studios <laughs> it's it's one of those things it's like I said it's, it's a it doesn't have to end here, you know, the episode will end if you guys ever think of anything that you want to say, this, we can... Is this episode one? Or it's it's episode, like, I don't know yet. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I didn't want to, like, put an order to it prematurely because, <laughs> you know, I wanted to have a bunch to release at, at the right time. But it'll be one of the first ones for sure. I think it's one of the most important ones. Cool. Um, you know, it, I, I feel like it, it shows some legitimacy to the approach. No. Cool, that's cool. Yeah, you should go to like every band. I think I think it is cool to to get bands and to to talk to more than one person. There's a lot of random crap that goes into banding. So yeah, let's, let's yeah. talk about. 
I forgot to mention merchandise because you were talking about like um. Oh gosh, don't talk about that. <laughs> he was talking about like things we do or learned because of the band, but that isn't necessarily music. All right. True. I forgot about that. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's uh, that's episode two. <laughs> <laughs>